0: another thing and another thing and another thing. and another thing welcome to another episode of and another thing the podcast that continues to set records around the world and then as we always do we break those records my name is Jody Jenkins my name is Tony Clement and right off the top I'll tell you hot on the heels of this federal election all the pollsters are saying the same thing our podcast is amazing yeah. and every other podcast sucks it's There's true complete it's consensus it's it, 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 it so much
1: that the moderator of the English debate was upset about it too
0: <laughs> so hey who am I to disagree with what the pollsters are saying.
1: Exactly.
0: We're not we, going to do it. All right.
1: Se- securing the podcast future. <laughs>
0: yes. Okay. Um, Got to thank our sponsors off the top. Of course, John Mutton and the crew at Municipal Solutions, uh, our presenting sponsor each and every week. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. And Tony, I know how much you love to share about what it is that they do at Municipal Solutions. So I'm going to let you do that.
1: What, what is it that they do, Jody? Well, they are perfect for development services and project management. That means development approvals and permit expediting, planning services with municipalities, engineering services, architectural services. If you have a minor variance issue or a land severance issue, or if you just need a plain old building permit, it's municipal And I also want to thank, and we're doing this, uh, this 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 part uh, just because I think she's terrific. We want to thank Briar Summers for her opening jingle for our podcast. Her new album from the Ashes is out October eighth. Visit Briar, that's B R I A R Summers dot com for that.
0: Excellent, and yeah, she did a great job on that jingle, and we're getting a lot of feedback. I would uh, venture to say that the. The song is an earworm.
1: It's a real earworm. Once you get going on it, you, you can't stop
0: humming. Yeah, it. So we're uh, we're excited. We're probably going to do like a death metal version of that as well.
1: I would like that very much. And, and then like a, a hip hop, yeah, <laughs> hip hop,
0: alternative country, country, we'll a country version. Another thing.
1: Get the twang in there. <laughs>
0: Um, also got to give a shout out to loonypolitics.com where you can find exclusive content episodes that can't be heard anywhere else by simply becoming a subscriber. Use the code podcast, get 50% off your annual subscription and you are good to go loonypolitics.com. And we've been doing federal election recaps for them there as well. Yes, so yes. that's been a Definitely. lot of, that's been a lot of fun yeah. and we're excited to, uh, to continue to grow our presence in that space, so that's uh that's all I got. So we might as well get to our guest. I'm excited about this, like I am every week.
1: Uh, you are excited every week, and and for good reason too. We have high quality guests here at and another thing podcast, and and today is no exception. We have with us, and we want to give a warm and another thing podcast welcome to the Honorable Peter Kent. He is a Canadian journalist uh, for decades, really, before being the member of Parliament for Thornhill from. 2008 to i guess next week uh and of course he was a minister of the environment under stephen harper uh, he has been a news editor an anchorman a foreign correspondent a producer in both canada and the usa he's covered vietnam uh, u.s and canadian politics the middle east you name it ladies and gentlemen peter kent welcome it's great to have you on the program peter and uh, th- this is like this is literally the last days of uh being a member of parliament so take us a little bit through that and what, what you're up to these days
2: uh, but the last few days and last week in ottawa i've been working to close offices um, shut down um, computer networks and um, and uh, go through files shredding those that uh, need to be uh, destroyed for a variety of reasons and uh, to hand in the keys and the digital devices by the end of this week because I will cease to be a member of parliament in five days.
1: So uh, this is uh, a very quick exit interview. So thoughts, uh, reminiscences, what does, what does it all mean, Peter?
2: Well, as a late life um, partisan politician, it has been a, it's been a magnificent experience. It was, you know, I, I I covered Canadian politics, American politics, British international politics for, you know, as part of my uh, job as a, as a journalist, a foreign correspondent over 40 years, and I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it, than it turned out to be. But, uh, and I've got to say that, uh, you know, even in the final days of this parliament, I was still learning um, some of the uh, essential elements, the fine points of committee work in the minority and, uh, and so forth. And, uh, and the campaign trail back to majority, one hopes. But uh, it's been a great experience. I've, I've enjoyed it. I, uh, I love the constituency work. I loved my work when I was junior minister of foreign affairs for the Americas. Um, a, a wonderful job uh, Prime Minister Harper uh, gave me when I was first elected in 2008. Uh, the environment, um, when he called me over and asked me to go, he said, I've got a dirty job for you. And it was one that I enjoyed, probably uh, one of the greatest uh, work experiences of my life. But I've got scar tissue still <laughs> from being too green for some cabinet yeah. colleagues and not green enough for a lot of other people. So, uh, but it was it was a great experience, and I have the greatest respect for the for the folks in uh, in uh, well all of the federal departments. There are always those that see politicians and governments as passing phenomena. But uh, it's it's been a great experience, and I've got a lot of respect for. Uh, for the public service professionals a few enemies still I think and and, and it's been great working with political colleagues uh, across most of the party lines
1: well as uh, we know and uh, I think this is a, a, a paraphrasing Sir Winston Churchill but unless you've been in politics and made decisions you, you you know that that's that's how you make enemies but that's just the price of admission
2: well it is and uh, and also there's there's a lot more to the side of politics that Public doesn't often see that is exceptionally fulfilling, and there are some there are some wonderful people who've uh, who have uh, put aside uh, possibly more lucrative, possibly more uh, troubled uh, occupations um, uh, to spend time in politics, um, serving the trying to serve the public good. Um, and as some of my my journalist friends say, aren't you glad to get out of it now? As they said at the beginning, why have you left us? Should you still be on this side of the exactly of the fence? and I say I said then and I say now, uh, trying to make public policy uh, sometimes succeeding is a lot more fulfilling than just chatting about it.
1: Okay, so that was uh, I, I was going to ask about your original decision point to become a, a, a an active politician, was it? Was it the idea that you could participate in decisions directly?
2: Well, it it, it was was that. uh, And also, you know, 13 years of the conservative movement, our conservative movement in the wilderness, Uh, I was still a journalist then, of course, wearing the shiny cloak of uh, of, uh, neutrality and nonpartisanship. But uh, uh, I took a program after I'd stepped down uh, to Kevin Newman he came back to Canada to take over um, Global National. Um, I, I got into management and executive producing of a show called Global Sunday, which was a, a very popular Sunday evening talk show uh, in the mid-2000s. Um, and we took our program, hosted by Danielle Smith, later of the Wild Rose Party, uh, again now a journalist. Um, and Protagonists, antagonists, Ezra, Ezra Levant on the right and uh, Stephen Leduc on on the uh, on the left. We went to Montreal for the um, founding policy convention uh, of the reconstituted Conservative Party, uh, and I was so impressed um, that three weeks later I was the candidate for Saint Paul's in the two thousand six election. I remember that unsuccessful at the time, but okay. the sting of defeat. Uh, uh, in 416, offset by uh, the fact that uh, it was our first minority government, uh, the first Harper minority government. Um, and uh, at the wake that night, when journalists said, So Kent, they said with some glee, I think, at my defeat, uh, So Kent, try it again. But the answer when a little voice behind me said, Of course he'll run again. And my darling wife, Silla, had piped up. So we began looking for a more hospitable riding beyond the Toronto city limits, and Thornhill welcomed, and we prevailed in 2008.
1: And I remember that well as well. And uh, do you think that Thornhill will remain blue?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, No, we're uh, we're working hard to keep it blue and to reclaim some of the uh, some of the other York region and some of the. Actually, as a matter of fact, some of the 416 uh, seats that, right. uh, that we had in uh, in, to, in the 2011 majority. So there are a lot of races. Uh, for those, I, I, I'm a bit of a baker when it comes to uh, what polls are good for. Uh, he said dogs, of course. But uh, in looking at the polls and looking at, at uh, consolidated polls, I see a number of Next five days in the final push, on top of uh, some of our writings, we've we've been able to get as much as twenty-five percent of our of our uh, targeted vote into the ballot box already.
1: Yeah, there's I think one writing where I I heard that they've got forty-two percent of their vote in already.
2: Well, and that's important, and we're pushing for that in a number of the York Region writings. A a couple which uh, I'm pretty confident are going to tip our way by Monday by Monday night or. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday,
1: or Friday, depending <laughs> on how many mail-in ballots we exactly. exactly. And I, I should mention to our audience that we did have Melissa Lanceman on our podcast uh, a few weeks ago. She is, of course, the conservative candidate in Thornhill to succeed Peter Kent. So uh, she did uh, a good job acquitting herself on our program, and, uh, and we wish her every success, of course. Uh, Peter, I want to take you back a little bit. The original. Um, thought in my mind for this program was around, of course, the 20th anniversary of 9/11, and of course, uh, yes. the uh, the decampment, uh, uh, basic surrender in Afghanistan. And uh, you know, uh, you've been there uh, not only as a politician but as a journalist. And uh, my my recollection on 9/11, you. I think you had uh, already ceded control of the anchor chair to Kevin Newman, but he, it must have been a story you were following very closely.
2: Oh, absolutely. Actually, that was his first week uh, hosting Global National, and yeah, we uh, we hit the ground uh, very quickly, very immediately, and, and pulled in. And in those days, uh, Global, of course, uh, owned the... Uh, the uh, newspapers, we had the National Post and the, the former Southern, all of the former Southern newspapers, Post newspapers, um, and we dispatched uh, journalists to the scene like Christy Blatchford and others, uh, television, radio, uh, and uh, yeah, no, it was, it was uh, a shocking week. from, you know, the first aircraft's impact into into one of the Twin Towers. And then it was just nonstop, and I can remember. Uh, by that time, we were just launching Global Sunday the following Sunday, and I can remember we had to get special dispensation to uh, for myself and other senior producers and David Asper, of course, one of the one of the owners of Global Television, to get a chartered aircraft to fly us from Hamilton Airport to Calgary to get the program on the air, which was entirely covering. The 9/11 tragedy, uh, and I can remember flying across the dark skies with only the occasional uh, American or Canadian fighter jet siding up beside us to take a look at. Uh, we had full permission, of course, right? But to take a look at us to make sure that um, that we were what we claimed to be. Uh, and uh, having flown, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles over 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 the years, it was eerie to be in the sky
1: almost alone so uh, how far after nine eleven was that flight
2: uh it was within the week
1: okay yeah yeah, yeah
2: it was within the week
1: and uh, i was i flew out on the eight on the 18th to california as minister of health and uh there was like four people on the plane uh, but there were marshals that were packing heat and uh there were, uh, you know, American soldiers in the, in the airports and so on. So it was a pretty, uh, people don't realize just how much it impacted. It wasn't just New York. Everybody was impacted by
2: that. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and, uh, flying over Winnipeg, Calgary, um, there were, you know, any number of commercial flights and charter flights that had been grounded and didn't have permission to fly for some time after that.
1: So, uh, when, I, I just want to get a sense so when when the planes hit the World Trade Center and then you had the, the plane in the, in the Pentagon and flight 93 all in in succession um, your your instincts as a journalist journalist must have kicked in so were, were you there saying okay we've got to do this you know I because I, you' you were a war correspondent and this was kind of like war so uh, well, tell absolutely. us a little bit about that
2: absolutely. Well, no, absolutely. And I was with NBC when the shuttle uh, disaster occurred in, in the 80s. Uh, and you're right, I was in Vietnam. I covered the Rhodesian War, uh, Afghanistan from Pakistan, while my brother was inside with Ahmad Shah Massoud, the uh, Pushkin uh, commander who was eventually assassinated by one of the other Mujahideen leaders. Um, but uh, yes, no, we... we um, we called up all the resources. We uh, cleared uh, commercial commercial schedule and went to you know rotating live live hits, and we were still it was in the early days of 24/7 cable news channels, um, so everyone was was grabbing whatever video was was up in the coming up, going up and and back from satellites, whether it was security cameras. Or or TV programming cameras uh, from one network or another, there was an awful lot of uh, poaching of video material that couldn't be identified in the, in the panic. So some networks were running rival network uh, first-person descriptions of of what was happening on the ground and and uh, and in the air. But it was um, it was a uh, an adrenaline rush like no other adrenaline rush I've had in. Uh, in journalism, you know, except for situations under, you know, short situations under fire.
1: Right, right, right. Um, and tell us, um, I want to take you back a little bit. Obviously, Afghanistan has happened yeah. around the same time, and uh, uh, um, we all have, uh, I know, thoughts about that. And uh, but you were also around in the final days of uh, Vietnam and Cambodia and Laos and uh, those countries. Yeah. So t- tell us about how that impacts on your thoughts on things.
2: Well, as a very young green journalist, I, went, I was first in Vietnam in 1966 as a, as a freelancer selling uh, stories back uh, to uh, TV stations, and radio stations in Western Canada. Uh, uh, but I was there in 75 as a CBC correspondent and was in Cambodia for the last, uh, Cambodia and Vietnam for the last few months before we evacuated first from Cambodia uh, with the American ambassador uh, when he left on the last day before the Khmer Rouge came in and then three weeks later had gone back into Saigon and evacuated from the U.S. Embassy uh, there at the end of April, the 30th of April. Vietnam with what happened in, in Afghanistan this summer. But I, I, I see it more comparable to the American uh, of Cambodia uh, because the Taliban are, are much closer, as, as, as bad as the North Vietnamese were, as bad as the repercussions of the, uh, the uh, concentration re-education camps that the North Vietnamese imposed on South Vietnamese. Uh, civilians and military, uh, of course the Khmer Rouge and their year zero wiping out anyone tainted by civilization, anyone who had eyeglasses, anyone who had uh, filling in their teeth, anyone who could read or write uh, even the Khmer language, uh, decreed by Paul Pott, who was Sorbonne, educated himself to be tainted by civilization, much closer to what we know the Taliban really are in terms of their uh, single-minded uh, brutality to impose their will on any who won't accept absolute subjugation and, uh, uh, and their, their interpretation of uh, Sharia law.
1: Let me ask you this. Um, you know, you've been around for some of the most humiliating uh, defeats for America, <laughs> you know, bookended here uh, in, in Indochina. Uh, and now, uh, and now, Afghanistan. Um, yeah. What what are your thoughts about that? I mean, what are you? Let me put it. There, I'll put it in a very dramatic way. What are your thoughts about the future of civilization, having seen the, You know, what happens when that recedes? And then you're you're talking about the Khmer Rouge, and uh, of course, their their genocide. And now the Taliban are back, and back. I mean, it's not a pretty picture, is it?
2: Well, no. We also see, uh, you know, over the centuries, uh, cycles of isolationism and interventionism. Um, and you're right, the the um, the humiliation, and it is humiliation, of the, the the Allied abandonment of Afghanistan, is matched by. And I was when I was a correspondent, NBC correspondent, out of London and Moscow, covering um, the guerrilla war against the Soviet Union the Soviet occupation of Afghanistan, and I was there with, when General Gromov led the Russians uh, out of Afghanistan, you know, claiming to be, we've, we've set everything right in this country and we're going home now on the, in 1989 on the verge of the collapse of the, of the Soviet Union. Uh, it, it Not enough has been said uh, in the tragedy of this, specifically of Afghanistan about the last half century of that, country uh, suffering invasions and occupations and superpower and proxy interventions uh, largely in almost a factor in almost every decade um, being mm-hmm. the inter-intelligence service uh, inter-service intelligence agency of Pakistan right and Pakistan was really pulling the plugs for um, you know pulling all the levers in what effectively was a Taliban proxy invasion of Afghanistan by Pakistan. Uh, And, you know, a few voices have, we've heard a few voices. Our former colleague, the former ambassador to Afghanistan, uh, Chris Alexander, has been magnificent.
1: A a former guest of this show as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And he's been magnificent uh, for some time now, but particularly for the last couple of months, in urging the democracies, Canada included, but the United States to impose action sanctions on Pakistan if Pakistan doesn't force their Taliban proxy government that they've effectively installed, uh, former Mujahideen, you know, former American commanders like the you know Gulbuddin Hekmatyar and some of these other such who are now Pakistan uh, they've been employed by Pakistan as this, this new government, probably more terrorists in, in that cabinet than in any other cabinet anywhere in the, anywhere in the world. Uh, but Chris was saying, you know, just t- today, he said, Pakistan's half-century of armed interference in Afghanistan has cost millions of lives. The aggression is a standing affront to the rules-based order, to sovereignty, inviolability of borders, human rights, a lunacy churning out war crimes and atrocities. And, you know, that's, it, it, it's incredible that, that the United Nations—you know—we're just beginning. UNGA right now, the United Nations General Assembly sitting uh, this year. Uh, it, it is amazing that no one is speaking out against uh, against the role that Pakistan continues to play, destabilizing and brutalizing the people of uh, of Afghanistan, and they are principally responsible for the loss of all of the democratic values and ideals and accomplishments. That we accomplished through NATO, uh, you know, and, the, and uh, the humanitarian efforts, the educational efforts, the infrastructure uh, accomplishments that we made since the invasion that was triggered by uh, by the twin towers attack on nine uh, eleven. It's uh,
1: it's uh, it's just a huge mon- monumental impact on our lives, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure we can. Because we're in it, we can't comprehend it. But the United States has spent $8 trillion on the war, the global war on terror, uh, $3 trillion for the military, uh, another $3 trillion for veterans care, a trillion for homeland security, another trillion on interest and debt service. Uh, and on by 2021, the war on terror accounted for one third of total American debt. Approximately 15,000 Americans were killed. Another 15,000 Allied troops were killed. Uh, In total, nearly a million died: 300,000 insurgents, 200,000 national forces, and almost 400,000 civilians. So, it's not a pretty legacy. Continue.
2: Yeah, and that—that's told. And you know, the the violence, the persecution
0: is really only beginning.
1: On that happy note, Jody, do you have have anything you want to add at this point?
0: No, no, no. It's been uh, interesting to listen.
1: Yeah, no, Peter uh, just has a wealth of of intelligence on this. And, uh, well, tell us, we've got just a couple minutes left here. What are your plans uh, (laughs) post-parliament?
2: Well, um, you know that um, one of my distractions during COVID, when we weren't sitting in the terrible virtual parliament or virtual committees or serving our constituents, um, I uh, took up the bass guitar. Right. As an old time, I I was a five-string banjo picker, uh, Pete Seeger folk singer back in the uh, late 50s and 60s. (laughs) But I decided it was time to get with ZZ Top and uh, and Eric Clapton. So I've been... uh, I've been planning to do a little bit of work trying to get my low-end capability um, uh, uh, capabilities back under control, but I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, and
1: and, and α, we we promised each other we were going to jam together at some point.
2: Well, and I'm looking forward to that. Once, uh, yeah, once um, I'm uh, I'm free and clear, and uh, yeah, I'll throw the amp in the back of the. Of the mini and um, come looking for uh, for jam <laughs> sessions, but uh, I'll hang around politics for sure. I'm I'm going to stay well engaged as you have. Yeah, um, and we'll see what uh, what else we can do. I won't won't go back to journalism because I think uh, that bridge has been properly burned. And uh, but I think uh, there are things to do and uh, and uh, new challenges. And Scylla tells me that she doesn't want me hanging out around home and I've never <laughs> taken up golf as a distraction. So um, I'll, I'll find something to
1: do. Well, if you need golf as a distraction, Jody, I'm sure can uh, arrange something, right, Jody.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Again, I am a, I am a chronic duffer when it comes to, uh, to golf. I, I enjoy the social side of it. Uh, when there's a refreshment cart following the, you know, available at every second hole on a, on a charity uh, event. But uh Uh, I I don't take myself too seriously on that game.
1: Well, you'd be pleased to know just on the uh, the bass playing (laughs) that uh, there was a scientific study done on who is the most important member of any band. You know, is it the drummer? Is it the lead singer? Is it the lead guitarist? And uh, after a scientific study, it was the bass player who is the most important.
2: I've always seen the bass and the drums sort of as the uh, the co-metronomes right. of 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 you know sort of driving the band, um, but there is it's amazing in in the last few years and coming out of the rock jazz uh, blend, it's amazing how many uh, uh, composers, real instrumentalists, have been able to steal from Bach and the other composers. Uh, and work in some magnificent uh, bass riffs that are, uh, you know, they call them filler breaks, but really they sometimes introduce a powerful song, and sometimes they're what you remember from, you know, your affection for a particular song.
1: Well, just remember, there's only so many good chords that are, have ever been devised, so we do have to lend yeah, from so one another.
2: Have to learn the arpeggios, and you have to learn the scales, and your uh, majors and minors. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, uh, it's a uh, yeah no, it's a wonderful distraction and very therapeutic. And my calluses are fully back, so I'm good. I'm raring to go.
1: Peter Kent, it's been an honor to have you on our program to reminisce about your life in journalism and in politics. We uh, wish you every success in the future, and uh, thanks for uh, being part of our show.
2: Well, no, it's been a pleasure to be with uh, with Jody and with you, and uh, all the best in the future. Rock and roll.
0: Excellent conversation, great insight, and. Interesting that he is now a bass player. Mm -hmm. Um, Tony, do you know what the three most difficult years in a bass player's life are? No, tell me. Second grade.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, what does a bass, uh, what kind of gal does a bass player have on his arm? What? A tattoo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or what do you call someone who hangs around with musicians? what a bass player
1: a bass player <laughs> he's not going to share this program now you know
0: that. <laughs> Who are we kidding he won't listen this far <laughs> uh, oh, good.
1: We're, we're clear then fantastic
0: oh yeah that was good yeah
1: we're here all week
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, need like a, we need like a rim shot there for sure that's yeah. why we need a producer
1: i know yeah where's our producer
0: yeah i got to get a, a producer on the program but uh yeah, no, it was a good conversation, lots of interesting insight. And uh, yeah, I don't think any doubt that uh, the riding there that he's campaigning for Melissa Lanceman, I, I'm pretty sure that'll stay blue. Might be yeah. one of the few.
1: <laughs> well, well, we're going to see. It's uh, going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I think the polls are trending liberal, according to the polls. So we'll see whether that's accurate or not.
0: Yeah, I'll be inter- I mean, I, it feels like it's we're going to be right back where we started. Yeah. And, of course, already now the pundits are, you know, saying if that is the case, um, the Liberals will be obviously questioning Trudeau as their leader. Uh, It'll be really interesting to see what the litmus test is for O'Toole to have a chance to stay around. Yeah, exactly which uh, that one could be ugly. Trudeau was Uh, getting
1: a bit snippy on the campaign trail. I don't know if you noticed uh, that interaction he had with that global news reporter where he was admonishing her for not asking him the questions that he wanted to answer.
0: Oh, I haven't seen that clip. I I gotta be honest. I, you and I have had this conversation. I am not even really paying attention. And I I thought it was interesting that Lisa rate, one of your former colleagues, she tweeted out that she really, I mean, I don't know what the words she used exactly, but it was along the lines of like, there's so many other things that I'm paying attention to other than the election. So,
1: yeah, I think uh, she was uh, talking about Monday night football. So I yeah. I tweeted it, back a Raiders flag. So she knew who uh, to really yeah, cheer for. But
0: I'm telling you, I, I think voter turnout's going to be low on election day. So I don't know who, hi, I, I, historically, I don't know who that helps. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh I just, I'll, I will say this, I can't wait till it's over. So I don't even have to think about it again but guess what we'll probably be doing it again in 18 months
1: yeah no, that's the thing about minority parliaments they don't last for very long they're inherently unstable and they spend a lot of money
0: yes no it's it's wild it makes you shake your head um if you're interested in hearing more of our hot takes when it comes to elections, don't forget to become a subscriber to loonypolitics.com. Use the code podcast, get 50% off your annual subscription, and you will get exclusive access to podcasts that you can't hear anywhere else. And you'll also get our weekly election recap, which we have one more, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess we, one more to go, and then it's in over, theory, baby.
0: In theory, and then I guess maybe we could do, maybe we'll have to do a day after yeah, that for the make crew sense. there. Sure. Um, Also a big shout out to John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions, our presenting sponsor. You can find out more by going to municipal ca. And Tony and I played golf a week ago. Was it a week ago? Yeah,
1: that was great, Jody. You had a play at the uh, Trenton Air Force Base. That was uh, that was something yeah, else. Yeah, we were
0: on the heels of the Wing Commander's <laughs> annual golf tournament. He holds a charity golf tournament, and so you literally had. I mean, it's it's. I see it all the time. But well, you literally had an air show going on while you were golfing.
1: It was unbelievable. All these <laughs> C 130s uh, taking off and landing uh, nonstop while you're uh, yeah. interrupting my backswing. But it was, uh, I won't use that as the excuse for my poor score. But holy smokes, was it ever? And then the next day I played in Ottawa, Jody, as yeah. you know. And, uh, the, I saw the snowbirds because they, I guess there was the Ottawa air show going on. So as, as we were on the fairway, the snowbirds roared by, which was just oh, fantastic. That's
0: cool. That's cool. Did yeah. you get any pictures? I didn't see anything on Instagram. No, about I just, that.
1: My, I had my jaw on the, on the ground. And I didn't, I didn't take a picture.
0: Yeah, no, that would have been, uh. That would have been very cool. It, it's funny you say that because in your backswing with the the planes touching out, I guess I'm so used to I I don't even notice it. Like I mean, it doesn't phase me at all because we're just so used to having planes go around low all the time. It's it's interesting.
1: It was uh, it was a great uh, outing and uh, having the Wing Commander tournament going on. Uh, uh, thanks to all our, our great uh, our great Canadian uh, forces personnel. They're they're just wonderful people.
0: Yes. All right, Tony, we will do this again in seven days. You bet.